0: Welcome to Unconditional Love with Bishop Malcolm Smith. This is episode 113, Let It Be. For more information and more teachings by Malcolm Smith, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads, please visit www.malcolmsmith.org. And now, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you. And I want to share with you today... Um, It it is something I realize as I look into this. It has governed my own Christian life and ministry for these uh, decades and decades. It was something I learned very early in my Christian life and in the ministry too. And I want to share it with you. And I pray, pray the Holy Spirit will open all of our eyes to see the utter simplicity of this life in Christ when it's staring us in the face. Okay, I want to read to you a couple of scriptures. Uh, They're kind of long, but I want you to hear this. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25 says, therefore, hear me carefully, because... Let me tell you right now, what I'm going to talk about has been right in our face uh, every time we've read the scripture, and multitudes miss it. So the words I'm going to be talking about are usually unnoticed, and yet they contain the faith, which was the life of the believer since the beginning. So Ephesians 4.25, hear me. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, but give, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but let what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And, and you could throw in there, and let... Kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Then the next chapter 5, verse 3. But fornication, all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you. It is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather let it be the giving of thanks. Okay. I don't know if you heard my emphasis there on that little word, let, but as, as if you did, that word is over and over and over through that passage. Let this be. Let that be. Do not let that be, but rather let this be. Let, let, let. How many times have you read this passage and stopped and said, oh dear, look at that, let. Let. No, I think most uh, just pass it by as just part of a sentence. But let, think about it, let, let. I mean, when you say the word let, the word contains certain ideas, if you think about it. Uh, Let contains the ideas of rest, of, shall I say, ease and the ideas of rest and ease arise from a sense of the fullness of ability you know we say uh, let it happen well that that I, it means that i'm not going to sweat it out and i'm i'm not afraid and anxious uh, i am speaking from whatever fullness of power and authority to do that thing and I'm just saying let it happen, let it happen. You understand this flow, I trust you'll understand it more as we go on. Um, So this word not only backed uh, and producing ideas of rest and ease but also it's backed up by power. And authority—it's got two ideas in it. Also, the "I can," if I can achieve this, I say, "Let let let's do it." Let let it be. You see, and the other word is "possible." It's within the realm of my understanding of possible, and so I say, "Let it be." Let's do it. Let it be done. And so, I say again, that's power that, and the authority. If I say, let's do it, let it be done, it means the speaker has the authority to say that, you see. And so, it's it's the, the, the yes. Yes, this thing can be done. This thing must be done. And I'm saying, let it be done. And so, it's a choice. And my choice, just in that word, let let it be done, that that choice is going to release something into history, into existence, that if I hadn't said the word let, it wouldn't, do you get that, let's do it, well when we do it, something will have happened, something will have come into history, something will be now substance, material, made manifest, that would not, if I had not said that little word let, let. And let, well, if it assumes all of this, it assumes that it can be done, it assumes the possible, it assumes the power, Uh, and we're now saying, let, release it, let it happen. Well, then, uh, the, the word assumes, it's in the word expectancy. You say, let's do it, and immediately everything moves toward the doing of it. And there's the excitement that goes with that. There's the expectancy, there's the anticipation. And once you've said, let's do it, or let's go, uh, then we're assured of it, we're ready, we're eager. We're, we're, We're going to be part of something that leaps into reality. The 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 question among the kids is, can we go to the beach? Can we go to the beach? Well, yes, we could. We have the power. We've got the ability. We, we've got the right. And so the moment the head of the house says, yes, let's do it. Let's go. Then immediately a certain little history of the family comes rushing into being and, and and things happen at the beach that never would have happened if that little word had not been said of let's do it let's go I, i've used the illustration you might have heard me talk about it we 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 have here um, we, we've got um, Rottweilers and we, we've got um, well we've got other big dogs and, and um, they're, they're in the back and, and they're, they're baying their sounds and they're, you can hear them panting they, they want to get out from the back and they want to run free in, in the front and, and so at certain times, I will say, "Let let the dogs out." Let you say, "Let the dogs out," A- and so we open the gate, and, and the dogs come rushing out and, and leaping and playing. And well, the very fact I, I said, "Let the dogs out." Assumed that I knew there were dogs there to be let out. That's a rather daft statement, but but that's the truth. Um, what well, one would not stand at the gate, and, and open the gate and have the oh please let there be dogs, let there be dogs. That'd be stupid. No, you let the dogs out. You see, you open the gate because there are dogs, and and because they've got the energy and they've got the want, and the, and the moment you let them, they're out and leaping and dancing. And if they, if I've read this passage, which I've read at least a thousand times over the years, I, I believe that it's saying the Christian life is all summed up in that, that, that there is this source of life, there, there is this eternity, this life of unending ages, and that life is divine love, and that life is light that disperses darkness, and, and that life awaits the let, let it be so. And as we uh, articulate the let it be of God, then that life surges and our history develops and is marked and defined by that life, that love. I... (laughs) The dogs have a lot of energy, but they don't have the infinite energy of the Holy Spirit who is within you. And when we say, let the love of God be seen and known in this situation, let the love of God fashion and form the kindness and the gentleness and the forgiveness, there is let into history the 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 energy, I use that word, the personal energy of the Holy Spirit, the energy that has the face of Jesus right into our life. So step back a bit. I, I've emphasized when we say let, it is because the, the there is the possible, there is the the can, the I can. We're not saying let in a sort of a hope, and you hear that sometimes with usually baby Christians who are having an attempt at addressing the Lord, and they say, oh, please don't let this happen, you see, please don't let this happen, or please let this happen, please let that, well... God bless them and the Father loves them more than I do and and he knows what they're saying. But that's not what I'm talking about. This isn't sort of a, a please let there be dogs there. Oh, oh please let something happen, which, which has within it a sort of hopelessness that there's not much chance of it happening. No, we have to know and I emphasize that word, we have to know all that which has already been given. We have to know who we truly are and then release that inner life, Christ in us. Release Him in the word of faith, which I believe is the highest word of faith. Let it be so. Let it be so. He is the source of this, I can. He is the source of the possible that we're anticipating in this moment. So, what, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the Word of God. What we let into reality, let into now concrete material existence in our lives is the Word of God in Colossians it says that we are to be filled with, with this word of God, this word of Christ, and that's what I'm saying, to be filled, not to hear secondhand, not to, uh, you know, what, what Jesus said to Pilate. Remember when when Pilate said to him, "Are you the King of the Jews?" Jesus said, and those words have haunted me literally for a lifetime. Jesus said, Do you speak this of yourself? Or did another tell it you of me? Now that's... uh, do, Do you know the good news that is in Jesus of yourself? Do you know it because you have let that sink into your deep innermost self and you know it? Or... Did you hear it? A sort of a religious gossip or rumor that you heard these things. No, we we know within this gospel the good news that's focused in Jesus. And how can I put it? It's, It's meditating on it. And you know meditation, without going into any definitions, one very good illustration of the word meditation is of the the cows or the sheep. We see it here every day. The llamas, too. They chew and chew and chew. I mean, they just don't eat. They eat and they swallow it, but then they regurgitate it to eat it again. And they swallow it and regurgitate it to eat it again. That's why... Their flesh is pure enough to eat um, because it's purified food. It's been through, I I think, three stomachs before we get to eat it. And, And that's meditation. It's taking the Word of God into us and letting it be chewed and let the juice life of that Word go within us and then again and then again. There are times I spend six months letting one text of Scripture penetrate my spirit, because if I am going to say, let it be, it must come from my innermost heart of that which I know, that which my spirit has heard. This is who you are in Christ. This is yours through Christ. And out of that, I can say, then let it be. This is not for the casual person who thinks they've found a formula for magical living. This, this is the way we speak the life of Christ. I mean, think about this, because I don't want to have you condemned, and I, I know that many of you will say amen to, to this. Jeremiah 31 when Jeremiah spoke the words of the new covenant and was actually prophesying of what Jesus, through his shed blood, would accomplish. And Jesus quoted from Jeremiah at the Last Supper when he instituted the the Eucharist. Do you remember what Jeremiah said? He said that he would write... The Law, His law upon our hearts, it would no longer be ten commandments on stone, but the very heart of those commandments would be written on our heart. It would be a within writing, not something you must, you ought, you should, but rather, yes, I want. Yes, the, the, the desire, the good pleasure of God rising within. He said, that, that will be accomplished in the new covenant. And he said, in that day, everyone shall know me, says the Lord. Know me, the word used is the know of intimacy, the know of union, of one with. Yes, he said, that, that will be in that day. And in that day, he, he said, I will be your God. Your God, you shall be my people. Or as he said in another place, I will walk in them. I'll walk inside of you. And then, of course, all of that, he said, because your sins and your iniquities I will remember no more. And remember no more because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. that's the new covenant and that is and jesus when he instituted that uh, holy supper and and he gave them the wine and he said this is the new covenant quoting directly from jeremiah he said it's for the forgiveness of sins and everything that that brings with it or ezekiel 36 Prophesied of the same thing, only in his own way. Ezekiel said in that day that, that he will wash us, he will bathe us, cleanse us, scrub us inside, give us a new heart, and I'll put my spirit within you. You see, that is so. Do, do you understand? Do you know who you are? Have you look into the mirror of Scripture? This is who you are. Or into that new covenant and the writings of the new covenant, like Romans 6, where it says that you, you, as well as I, we have been crucified with Christ, buried with Christ. You are as dead to the authority of Satan and sin as Jesus is. And you are raised with him, says Ephesians 2. You are ascended with him. You now are the familiar, the children who gather at the kitchen table of the Holy Trinity. That's who you are. Christ Jesus lives inside of you by the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Spirit so that you are like a branch of a vine and the life of Jesus flows through you, says John 15. That's the truth. It's not an appeal to your feelings or your hormones. It's an appeal to the truth which never changes whatever I'm feeling. That's the truth. Meditate. Chew that. Call on the Holy Spirit, for for the Holy Spirit within you, if any man has not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. The fact that you have been born of the Holy Spirit, that you have trusted Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells within you, and... Colossians 1, 9, 10, 11 describe how that Holy Spirit is the very presence of the power of the love of God in all expressions, to me, in me, and through me. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Look in this mirror of truth. The Holy Spirit dwells in you and Jesus said the holy spirit is also the presence of the father as well as as well as of Jesus and of course of the spirit himself and colossians chapter 2 says the very holy trinity dwells in you and this is all on god's initiative it, it isn't that you did something so incredibly holy or righteous that that the Holy Trinity said we just gotta go and live with that chap. No, this all started in the heart of God. He wanted you and He came after you in Jesus. And therefore, and, and this is one of the greatest statements in Scripture, that, that whatever comes into your life, whatever hits you, crushes you, pressures you. Romans 8.37, in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Now listen, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, and that, that usually assumes demonic powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor any kind of power, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Amplified Version, it says, I am persuaded beyond doubt. I am so sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, principalities, nor things impending or threatening, nor things to come, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Think about that. Or or the message. He said, I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, Today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our Master, has embraced us. Understand this. It's you I'm speaking to. You are in the embrace of God's love and nothing can separate you there. Understand that. Nothing in any dimension, visible or invisible, can change the fact that at God the Father's initiative, the Holy Spirit joins us to that Holy Trinity and we are beyond the possibility of separation. And it means that whatever situation that we find ourselves in in this micro-moment of time, this God who loves us has made that His situation. He's made our life His life in Jesus even as He's made our life to be His life. Now, this was anticipated in the Old Testament, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stop here because we talked about it before, but, but you read in the Psalms over and over and over again, the Lord is my, and you, you throw in there, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my light, my salvation, my strength, my, my shield, my, my sword, my refuge, my, and on and on and on and on. Everything that David faced In terms of a weakness, he fell back into the limitless ability that was his in the Lord. And of course, when you read there, the Lord, you'll find it's in caps. And that tells us that really the name of God is there. Um, I won't go into the details, but they they were afraid of writing the name of God, and so they put the Lord instead. Tragedy. Uh, God gave us His name so we could use it, uh, and and His name, the best we can uh, pronounce it, is Yahweh. And in Exodus three, He tells us what that means. He says, "I am, I am." He's never a was. He's never a will be. He doesn't depend on any to hold him up. He is I am. And so we we should read those scriptures in the Psalms where it says the Lord is, we, we should say Yahweh, or better yet, in plain English, the I am. The I am is my light. The I am is my strength. The I am is my salvation. Do you hear what? There is such a union, and I maybe use better the word unity. There is such a unity between I am and David, the believer, such a union that he speaks in final fact that the I am... Is one with the little created I am David. So that David's I am is now indwelt and empowered by the unbegun I am, the covenant God. So here the I am is my the very essential self of David, where David speaks of himself as I am. He says the I am who is God is joined, one with my I am, so that all that God is shall now be made manifest specifically in this situation that I find myself which swallowed up all his sense of inability and weakness so that he could say, the I am is my, my strength. And yet he talks of them as two, the I am and my. So there's two. They didn't become a blob, all mixed up together. There's two, and yet the two are joined together, operating, functioning as one. Satan used every event, every pressure, every challenge, even every opportunity to separate believers from this incredible God. But he can't. For the very things that are sent to separate us by Satan are taken by the Lord and and used against him, making us more than conquerors. And of course, the New Testament full statement of what David saw, now Paul can write that I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, loved me and delivered himself up for me. And of course then in Philippians 4, he speaks um, of all these rough and tumbles of life. He said, I've learned in whatever circumstance I am to be content. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And that last sentence in the Amplified Version, which I believe translates it so perfectly. He says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Another says, I am strong for all things in the one who constantly infuses strength into me look, I I said you let the love of God you let the strength of God you you let the wisdom of God you, you let it be so you let the love of God take on the flesh of your life how do we do that? by understanding here is our source This is who I truly am, joined at the heart with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say this very carefully. We cannot imagine what I've just said. There is no brain within creation that can think that. You know, try and intellectualize and think it. The the people that have tried simply to think it and tabulate it end up uh, like like religious corpses. Um, You can't think. How? How can... God, the Holy Trinity, dwell within me and I in him. How? I can't think that. I, I can think around it, but before I can begin to approach it with thought, with intellect, I have to already know it. H- how can I think that the Holy Spirit dwelling in me is the very source of divine love and is pouring that love into me and through me? If I try to think how that happens, it's like trying to teach a centipede to walk. Um, No, and the Scripture says that. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. So he says that he does inside of us, does within our lives beyond what we're capable of asking. He does that which is beyond our ability to think it. And he does it because of the power, the Holy Spirit who works within us. And let me quote the Amplified again. I'm sorry, but sometimes the Amplified just gets it. It says in the Amplified version of that, "...now to him who by and in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us... He is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Yeah, that's the meaning of the words there when they're pulled out into every available English word. We can't think it. So what do we do? We say, let it be. I, I cannot think how grace can be given to me to handle a situation. I cannot think how wisdom that is divine will be put into my heart and mind. I I cannot think how I will receive divine love enabling me to walk in divine gentleness and kindness and forgiveness. I cannot think how when I lay my hands upon a sick person, they are made well through the name of Jesus. I cannot think that. So I say, let it be. <laughs> open, open the gates, let the dogs out. I know he is within me. I know this is all that is mine in Christ, but is beyond my thoughts and imagination and dreams. So I say, let it be, Lord, let it be. You realize whenever we pray, we actually say this when we're done. Tragically, very few people realize it or understand what they're saying. But amen is a Hebrew word that we never translate it. It's just a Hebrew word. And part of its meaning is let it be. It is so. That's the way it is. It is so. And we, we ask, and we realize we, we can never, we can never dream, we can never ask to the limit of what He is in us and will do in us. And so we just surrender and say, "Let it be, Lord, let it be." It falls in with that other scripture in the New Testament, quoting from Isaiah, where it says, "I has not seen. Your eye is not capable." Uh, of, uh, of seeing what God wills to do his good pleasure, your ears are not capable uh, of containing those words. It's never entered into the heart of man. The human mind cannot conceive it, says the scripture, but God has revealed it by his spirit, and we, with awe and wonder, say, Let it be, let it be let let it be." and I think we've talked about this before, that the Virgin Mary becomes the perfect example of what I'm talking about. Because to her, the word of the Lord came through the angel that she would conceive and bear a son, and that son would be none other than God himself and that he would fulfill every promise of the Old Testament, but there would be no man involved. It would be virgin birth. Now, and I'm not being sarcastic here. I'm not. I'm trying to get to the bottom of something. Can can you think that? If you were the Virgin Mary, can you think that? Come on. 2000 years after the fact? Can you think it? Can you fathom it? Can you grasp it with your intellect? Or is the virgin supposed to say every day that she's confessing that she has a son without a human father? do you you understand you can't make this happen you can't sweat it through here is the word of God and she said how can these things be and the answer was with God nothing shall be impossible and there's a possible other translation to that which is no word from God is void of power which I tend to like better and that was it He is saying that the word which God has delivered to you contains within itself the power to do what it says. So she said, Be it unto me according to your word. Did you get it? She didn't think it through. She didn't wrestle with it. She didn't sweat it. Just said, Be it unto me according to your word, which would be perfectly correct in English to say, let it be. Let it be. You have said it. I say, amen, let it be. Jesus was born on the let it be response to the word of God and the working of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is not passivity. And we just sit there and say, well, let it be, let it be. No, I say again, this is the highest expression of faith. It's the highest action of faith. We are co-workers with God. He has spoken his word in Jesus Christ. He's given us that in writing, the Holy Spirit within us. He has said indeed, let it be, and that let it be, your salvation, let it be, came in Jesus Christ, came in the Holy Spirit. But now we join our let it be to the divine let it be. And in the mundane and ordinary and the unraveling of our lives day after day, we find ourselves continually speaking out of that reality within us and let it be. This is shocking to so many people because we are used to, how can I put it, whining at God. That goes for prayer in many places. The illustration I've used, you might have heard me use it, um, so forgive me, but... I haven't found a better one. That many, 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 many people think of prayer as you are sitting on the sidewalk or one of those who stand at traffic lights with their sign, you know, will will work for money. And it's it, give me a dime sort of thing. Give me a dollar. And the... the, the Spoken or unspoken request is an appeal to the pity, the compassion of someone who sees them. And that is how many, many people approach prayer that it's sort of, give me something, I don't deserve it, but, you know, find it, oh, please, please, you know, please do it. And, and some people try to make themselves more pitiable before God, and they writhe, and they, I'm unworthy, and I'm no good, and, I'm, and so in, in our abject condition, oh God, you know, throw us a crumb. That is religion's highest insult to the love of God. For he has made us his children. And he has introduced us to what the scripture calls the riches of his glory, the riches of his grace, all that he is and has revealed himself to be in Jesus and is ministering himself to us in the Holy Spirit. He said, this is yours. And the image is not then of the beggar but rather the person who walks with shoulders erect into the bank and asks. I say ask in quotation because the asking is not the same as the asking of the beggar. This asking of the bank clerk is that I want this amount of money because it already is mine in my account. And the clerk gives you the money readily because the money is there and it is yours to draw from. That's prayer. We come to the Father and we come with requests, but it is request that is saying, let it be. That which is, this vast resource of all that is ours in Christ, let it be in this situation, in that situation. Let it be. I say again with divine ease, with with rest, because you know it's yours, it, it awaits. Let it be. And those words are the beginning of bringing the invisible resources of God into the physical and material and flesh and blood of my history. But I say we're we're much more comfortable with being the whining beggar. I mean, that's the way of legalism, so it's the way of the flesh, and therefore, of course, we're more comfortable. We, we, We feel unworthy. Oh, you know, I'm unworthy, I'm no good, I'm rotten, I'm... I I I can't walk in and say, let it be. Well, that's... <laughs> Look, they, they stood at the Red Sea. You know the story. Behind them are Pharaoh's armies. The SWAT team's ready. It's all over. finished, They're hemmed in by the hills. There's nowhere to turn. And it says, and they were crying to the Lord, oh, God help us. And you know their mentality because it came out again and again and again when they said... Uh, why didn't you leave us in Egypt, we had a better time there, the soup was better, the garlic and the onions, but instead you brought us here to kill us in the da- You know their mentality, and now they're whining and crying to God, you got us in the desert, we're going to die in the desert, help us, oh God. And the word of the Lord to Moses was, tell the people to shut up. That's a paraphrase, but that's what it says. And the word was, stand still and see the salvation of God. And they did. And for about two minutes, they believed God. And the Red Sea opened. When they let God be God, could anyone have thought that? Could anyone have imagined it? Can you even imagine it today? All you can do, you see, is let it be. Open the gate and let it be. Let it be. I I read from Ephesians 4 and 5, all those lets. But we we could have gone a lot more. I mean, in Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Or Colossians, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, you see. It's all a. Do do you begin to understand this? Instead of struggling and trying to make it happen, make God do something, sit back and realize He's already taken the initiative. Christ is within you. Let the life of Jesus flow through you. It's a river of living water. Let the life of Jesus, the love of God, flow into you and through you like the sap of a vine. Or what did Jesus say? Speaking of the Holy Spirit, out of you shall flow rivers of living water. You you don't make a river run. You just let it flow. It's not only in a religious context that we have problem with this. We have problem because we've learned how to talk from our ancestors and from our flesh. And so I am appalled. I'll say that. Sounds judgmental, I suppose. But I love you dearly. But I'm appalled at how people speak I mean just regular talk, they they speak without thinking, without realizing that our words carry the authority to let, to let and to release life or death into our history and existence. Words that originate out of the lie they are bringing into being. With your words, you are letting anti-love energy that's in opposition to the divine energy of the good pleasure of the Father toward us. I mean, can I be stupid and simple? Well, yes, I've just said it now, haven't I? I, I, How many times I've heard it? Not that I go around counting, but a person says, I'm catching a cold. You're doing what? (laughs) I'm catching... It sounds like you're waiting there to catch it. That's your mentality. Your words are saying it. And then you... You're not disappointed, are you? Catch it. In this silly illustration, but you see, when if you've understood what I'm saying, when you feel a cold, you don't say I'm catching a cold. You say I, I'm releasing the very life of God into my immune system. I'm releasing the life of God into every pore of my being. That was a silly thing, I suppose. But, I suppose it's a good thing that I just said because it does bring the reality. I'm not talking about a high and mighty religious, holy things. I'm talking about living daily. I I heard just the other day someone said it's going to be a terrible week. (laughs) I suppose God just dropped out of your thoughts because you had just released a terrible week. You're anticipating it. Your mind is now planning it. Do you, do you understand? The, these are such low and, I say, silly illustrations, but this is what I'm seeing and hearing. Um, people use the I am, which speaks of the most sacred part of me, I I am so miserable. I am so weak. I am so, I am. I feel like, yes, I do. I feel like slapping their mouths. You're releasing lies. You are in Christ. Let your mouth be filled with words that give praise to Him and speak of His strength and His life and his love and his wisdom that goes ahead of you and his protection around you and his shield beneath you and above you. Yes, in that passage we read, there was certain words. It says, let not. There are certain things we will not open the gate because we know the monster behind the gate, if we ever opened it. We don't go there. We were crucified with Christ, and that's not where we go anymore. We open the gate that releases the very life of Jesus Christ. I say it again, legalism is horrified by what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's too easy. Huh. No, this, this is spiritual warfare. This is spiritual warfare. Long before you battle with demons, all in that little word, let, what kind of life shall you choose to live in Jesus Christ? Let. I suppose Jesus summed it up in Matthew 5.16 when he said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven." We are so used to letting the flesh and letting the thoughts and anticipations and expectancies of our ancestors to dictate our lives, that the kind of life that I'm describing here, yeah, it will feel awkward, For the first time, some will wake up to realize we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We are totally out of step with the world. But in so being, we are totally in step with the life of God in Jesus Christ. Well, there it is. And I pray the Holy Spirit shall... The Holy Spirit shall be your light, shall open the eyes of your understanding, shall flood your whole being with his light, so that you may let his life flow through you, that you may be his light in the world. May it be so.